0: Gents. What's good, people? It's Shredge. It's Stone. And we're out here. It's getting nice. It's getting warmer. You know what I'm saying? New York is thawing out. Cali is surprisingly thawing out. They didn't know it got thawed in the first <laughs> place, but that global warming is a bitch. And we're out here just ready ready to get thawed up. You know what I'm saying? get Getting our beach bodies ready. You know what I'm saying? About to hit these streets, hit these sands, hit the club. You know what I'm saying?
1: Bro, this this is the this is like the phantom summer. Don't be fooled. It's gonna be like we're gonna get thirty degree day, <laughs> and the next couple weeks <laughs> happens every year. Like it's a phantom summer.
0: It's a bro. I have my winter clothes, and every time I try to put it out, it's just like that jacket's gone in the back of the closet and right back out again. It's
1: not real summer till like July, basically, bro. If, if, Every if, day if, is you,
0: sus. If, if, if you're a Tim heavy jean and bubble jacket person, you're, you are you in your bag this year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I made that mistake. I put through all my, my winter clothes in the back of the closet. <laughs> it's like it's snow in like late April, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh. man. Uh, well, it's good to be back, y'all. We have a good show for y'all. Got a lot of good topics.
0: show for y'all. And I'm gonna start it off by uh this and a bad show. Rap caviar, the epitome of hip hop journalism, the, the place you go to find out what's new and popping in the quote unquote streets, in the in the urban, urban alleys, in the trap houses, in uh in basically pretty much everybody's bedroom garage and slash <laughs> studio. <laughs> But uh, long story short, uh, Rap Caviar has a new documentary series on Hulu. It's Rap Caviar Presents. Um, this season, I believe they're going to go in depth with six rap artists. You've got uh, you got Polo G, you've got Roddy Rich, you've got City Girls. And the first episode dropped, and that's the one featuring Tyler, the creator. Um, I sat through it after hearing some interesting commentary on Twitter. I um, also heard the good things. I thought they did a really good job of kind of, you know, discussing, you know, talent creators kind of rise. They touched a little bit on our future. They kind of touched to why he's special. They touched a little bit on his process. What I thought was very interesting, they kind of explained that in his case, you know, the transition from being, let's say, an rap auteur into more of a multi-talented artist was basically him kind of figuring out, you know, feeling that, you know, the antics were overshadowing the music. You know, they talked about how he went and kind of did a lot of, you know, just basically went back to the lab and kind of studied music theory and songwriting stuff. It, it did a really good idea. So in this, let's say, 30-minute doc, there's a good 15 minutes of what I like to call, like, you know, the solid journalism about what is, what's going on in the mind of an artist, you know what I'm saying? What's going on in the mind of a creative, right? Yeah. Now, the other 15 minutes <laughs> was quite problematic. So, obviously, with these things, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we're probably like 35 years removed from the gangster rap stereotype, I'll say. <laughs> um, and, you know, no diss to Tyler. Tyler. But ultimately Tyler is a kind of, he's a singular artist, right? He's somebody who self-produces, you know, he's somebody where, where, you know, he was doing a lot of aggro rap, he does a lot of R&B stuff now, he does a lot of, even hinting towards new wave. He's a multifaceted artist that while his domain is hip-hop, he spirals around. Um, As opposed to making the case of why he's an artist deservedly, you know, that needs to be covered, that needs to get his flowers, The doc spends a good half the time kind of playing him off against like rap tropes, basically. And Mm. the issue why it's problematic is the fact that the rap tropes are very, very like dated. And then you kind of think about it, where it's like, wait a minute, this is rap caviar. You know, I could definitely understand like if it's like something on sixty minutes per se. You know, sixty minutes does a thing on Tyler the Creator, right? Yeah, but. Considering it's on Hulu, you know, it's not necessarily an aged audience. Considering the the age of hip-hop itself, which is its 50 year anniversary this year. And, you know, like they were doing compare and contrast, Tyler versus like fucking Tzutoki Dog, Tyler versus NWA. Wow. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like even when even when they first came out, they were 20 years removed from all these acts. So they yeah. kind of act like hip-hop was this big stereotype, stereotypical boogeyman and Tim Boots. And fucking baggy jeans and hoodies. Like, we missed the little John era. We missed the shiny suit era. It, it is kind of like purposely kind of ignored the multifaceted aspect of hip hop. They kind of pr- give extra praise to Tyler. And I thought it was a little unfortunate. What really bothered me, honestly, there was a whole, they, they, they for some reason, they kept bringing up the Wu Tang Clan <laughs> as like this anti Tyler. And I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, if you're really paying attention, Wu Tang Clan even at their quote-unquote urban world, a bunch of fucking weirdos. Like, like oh, yeah. they're not... It's not like, again, like, you know... I could kind of get like an ice cube or like, let's say a Snoop kind of fit in this very specific kind of street idea. Like, you know, they were talking about Kung Fu tapes supported for Chinatown. Like Ghostface has records. You don't even know what the fuck he's saying. Like there's a lot of avant-garde things happening. And woo. So even then, while they kind of do a compare and contrast, I was like, this is just really poorly put together. And it kind of goes back to the idea of where, you know, I struggled because on one hand, it's just like, goddamn, 50 years of hip hop, 50 years of hip hop, I could easily make an argument that I think I'll say it's probably fair to say maybe around Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Like once The Chronic hit, you could. I it feels like from that point on, hip hop was pop music. Like you know, Snoop was going number number one. You know, Biggie was going number one. Tupac was going number one. Yeah, fucking the rise of Puff Daddy. You slide into shit like like in the in the arts of like Little John making big club jams. Like so, it's just like goddamn. It's like thirty years of hip hop being club um being popular music, and he's still doing this whole weird thing about like they were out there in the streets talking about drugs and and guns, and then and then this young hip hop star came and switched the paradigm. And it's like goddamn, you know they did kind of they they mentioned Q-Tip once, they mentioned Kanye like twice, they mentioned Andrew Two Thousand like once. The only thing that kind of happened there was they happened to have uh, Pharrell as one of the main talking heads talking about Tyler. So at least he kind of got a shout out. But even then, it was more along the lines of him praising Tyler as opposed to discussing, you know, what he put to the game. And here's my issue, right? It's a Tyler doc. It's a Tyler doc. So I don't expect him to go deep dive into, like, fucking Slum Village and Jay Dilla and, like, fucking... You know, like like company flow and shit like that. I don't expect that, but it was just kind of disheartening to kind of see them just speaking in very binaries. And like I said, it's and and they kind of try to tie it all up because um Vince Staples was one talking head, so they kind of said, "Hey, you know, black people aren't a monolith." But it was also disheartening to kind of see this video, this 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 documentary that kind of hinted that we kind of are.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really sad too, just because I I think that. You're right. Like, we, hip hop has been around for 50 years and it's been around and it's evolved uh, even the, in the past five years. Right. You know, and I think like we, it's really sad that the media doesn't have the language to talk about hip hop. You know, I in, in a way, I think that that that's that's productive. Right. And I think like the part of it is just because hip-hop is evolving and it is changing and there's so many nuances and there's so many localities into hip-hop that i think like journalists are lazy right and it feels like this is probably something where you had like somebody in their 40s or 50s trying to like do a documentary on somebody and like they're just connecting it back to like the era of hip-hop that they thought was cool right yeah. And I think, like that, unfortunately, that really just um, there's just like so many blind spots with that. I, I think, like the the rise of Talent the Creator, the rise of Odd Future were really cool. Um, I remember when they, were, they they were coming out, like there's a lot there was a lot of tension because like a lot of like punk rock and rock journalists thought they were really cool, but they liked the aesthetic and they weren't think, thinking like deeper about like these black kids coming from yeah. you know south central <laughs> coming from these this era and like why they're doing the thing they are they're just like oh like these are these guys are the new bad brains you know or these guys are like the, the new like whatever right and i th- i think like and, and also too of igor getting like best rap album and Tyler like you know essentially kind of saying like what the f- what the hell grammys like it's not even a rap album <laughs> you know it's just like one of those things where it's like it's really sad but the media just does not have the language to to really talk about you know black creative talent in a constructive way which is just really sad and you know it's 2023 and we're having these same kind of conversations you know um yeah <laughs>
0: You know, it's and it's crazy to me because again, it's rap caviar. It's rap caviar. And then also, like, you know, looking at the list, you know, it could have easily been like, you know, like a terrible list of rappers that they chose. It could have easily been like, you know, like acts like fucking, you know, Machine Gun Kelly or something. So I I just got confused because it was like, you know, maybe in their mind they wanted to make it a very general kind of like audience type thing. But I'm like, you know, this is something where if you were living under a rock, but then here's a the terrifying thing. Maybe they got a point. Like, you know, I started thinking back to like, you know, Miley Cyrus kind of saying, you know, after she had that little, Little, you know, when she was playing for more, you know, bangers that that era where, she you know, she had Michael in production and she kind of survived it saying, oh, you know, rap music is all about, you know, bitches and guns. And I remember even fucking off the record, you know, during an interview, uh, fucking uh, what's her name again? Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish had something similar also when she was saying how, you know, uh, there's only certain kind of rap music I like, a lot of it is very stereotypical and materialistic and it's like, god damn, you've got people who, and Miley Cyrus who actually was doing like pretty much doing things over hip-hop beats, Billie Eilish whose production definitely tends to kind of lean towards hip-hop, you know, her albums definitely have about like a third of it, you know, 808 Booms track production, and them having these stereotypical ideas, and it's like, damn it, it kind of sucks where even growing up with it as pop music, you have these weird stereotypes Types behind it and it kind of sucks.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. It's, it's crazy too, just because Tyler is a guy who I think we're not allowing to be creative. Like you know, again, Igor was R and B. I don't even know what to call it, Igor. Like I, I think it was just like a, a conceptual album to me. It sounded it's like a radio hit head, like Kid A, in a lot of ways. But then he's like, you know what? I'm going to pivot to like being like <laughs> straight up hip hop and doing a DJ drama, you know, like like album. And then like, you know, the the, the Tyler, like the estate sale is, is more boom bap hip hop, right? And I think like, but then he has like Cherry Bomb, which is kind of like more punk, punk rock. And again, it's just like, we need more language to talk about what these artists are doing. And unfortunately our language is just like putting them in the box. I think like, Tyler is probably one of the more creative people I've seen in a long time. You know, I was like, I was like watching him talk about his like golf floor, like, you know, all of the fashion stuff that he's doing. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, like it's, it, it, I, I do think it's limiting to call Tyler a rapper, you know? And I think like, unfortunately rap has a connotation. It's like, all you do is just like, in 2023 you like get type beats off of YouTube and you spit over them and I think like Tyler is is definitely an, an artist and, and an artist in his own right and he just needs to get his flowers in a way that is more aligned to like what he's trying to do and I've, and I've seen other Tyler documentaries like Apple Music did a pretty good one um you know I've seen better Tyler interviews like i I think there's other people who just like are more equipped to understand Tyler and understand, like, black talent um, than apparently Rap Caviar and Hulu, so. Damn.
0: And then, like, you know, I, in the notes, I kind of put that little, um, the, the, the there was a tweet by Arlo Parks, who we have just discussed on the podcast before, indie songwriter based in fucking the UK, and then she basically pointed out where High Snobiety, which is a sneakerhead kind of, like, form, kind of placed her up on, like, you know, up and coming rappers and the irony of it, which I kind of found funny was the fact of where she kind of commented on it saying, Hey, you know, it's weird for me to make a hip hop list as a black person, yada, yada, yada. And it kind of show you how disconnected they are. They kind of liked the tweet. <laughs> they were like, Oh, she's giving us props. And it's like, and she had to reply. Like, I think you guys are missing the point. Is this like, literally like I am an indie rocks, like even borderline folk artists, like how are you putting me on hip hop list? Except for the fact I'm a black girl,
1: <laughs> bro. Like Arlo Parks is like I feel like our generation, like this generation's Tracy Chapman. Yes, yes, <laughs> and that's not a diss. Like 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 yes. just like the aesthetics that Arlo Parks brings. Like there's no way that she's hip hop.
0: No, and like, it, and there's no diss to that. It's it's you know it's it is what it is.
1: Yeah, like like you know it's I'm I'm trying to think of artists that like. You know, kind of borderline, like maybe like we'll sneak some eight oh eight 8 beats in. Maybe like we'll spit like, you know, a, a line here or there. But no, like Ready Arlo Parks.
0: Lana Del Rey is more hip hop than Arlo Parks. <laughs> I and, do like the hip hop remixes
1: so. of her, her last boring ass album.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but at least she uses 808s. At least she some trap drums. There's no such thing in Arlo Parks is pure minimalist, sometimes with electronic flavor, but usually minimalist. Her, her guitar, very simple instrumentation, very songwriter, singer, songwriter focused. There's nothing there. So, for even that, it's just like, God damn, you guys are just being racist. You literally saw her face and was like, Oh, she's popping. Put her in the hip hop list.
1: Yeah, no. It's just like, it's so crazy. You know um because i i just remember the conversation around like Santigold gold and santa gold say say saying kind of like hey i'm not hip-hop and i remember she got a lot of like issue from the black community like saying that right and she's like no i'm like i i'm punk rock i came from punk rock background i'm not hip-hop i'm not r&b and like black people kind of feeling some type of way about it and just like realizing that like man like Number one, like, the enemy is, like, these boxes and labels. Yes. Right? And, you know, like we we, we joke about, like, the Grammy nominations being, like, oh, it's, like, 58% <laughs> of, you know, hip-hop influenced whatever. But it's that, is that scientific. Like, there are people who are going and saying, like, how much percentage of, like, quote-unquote hip-hop or R&B do you have in this track for it to be nominated? And I think that's kind of the problem obviously racism is, is a problem as well, but uh, you know, I, I, I think we're still kind of living in this world where um, we still want to put labels on things. And I, I you know, I, I hope in 2023, like we can get away from that just because I, I you know, Lil Uzi Vert is making a dance track. Yeah. You know, a quote unquote, you know, it, it's Jersey club, right? But he's a, a quote unquote rapper. You know, he's a SoundCloud rapper, but like, you know, like he went basically number one doing a dance track as Jer- a Jersey club track. And again, like, I, I just don't know. If we have the language to kind of talk about that stuff, like in uh, eloquent fashion, you know, uh, and what that means. And nobody really wants to kind of go in the history of Jersey club and why somebody from Philly would want to make a Jersey club track. And the geographical nature of Jersey and Philly, like nobody wants to do that work.
0: <laughs> yeah, agreed.
1: They just want the clickbait.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'll be like, you know, rapper discovers club music, you know, out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Tiesto shows up and introduces Uzi Fertz. <laughs> to techno. Oh God. <laughs> All right, moving on um long story short i, I saw this happen um Bandcamp, um some of their staff is unionizing i remember about to my social media feed and i was like good for them and you know i thought it was one and done you know i saw the little shout out i saw them kind of saying hey you know we've unionized. you we want to kind of work with magic we want to make Bandcamp the best product, possible product we could possibly make it it just seem like the general announcement you kind of hear after like certain you know situations like that um Except for, apparently, uh, top, she- top Shelf Records, which is, like, a little, I'll say, more, like, underground punky type record label. Um, basically kind of spilled the tea where, I guess, Bandcamp management reached out to them directly. And was kind of like, hey, we're kind of trying to clamp down this fucking unionization effort. You know, could you stop, you know, you know keep the mouth shut a little bit? Wink, wink, hint, hint. And, uh... I don't know. It's it's kind it's kind of disheartening. I think in general, and and we've a, a big theme of the podcast in general is basically just like you know how you know there's there's not there's a lot of Madonnas out there. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of Madonnas out there, but there's a lot of like like great musicians who are kind of struggling to get by, and you know we discussed about how they kind of get you know equity and, and fair. Basically getting your money's worth as a musician from could be venues, could be Spotify, could be whatever. Um, And that goes across the board. It goes across people who work fucking, you know, people who actually work the sound, people who work the lighting. It's a space of where a lot of money is getting made, but it's not going to the right hands. Um, Obviously, with Bandcamp, it's a little different. Um, It's a little bit more tech, but it kind of the same thing kind of matters here. Also, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, Bandcamp recently got bought up by Epic. If you don't know Epic, you definitely know Epic's big product. That's Fortnite, you know, pretty much one of the biggest games in the world. And that's in hundreds of million dollars, probably a month, you know, billions of dollars a year, you know, and it's kind of disheartening to kind of see this mega corporation. You know, kind of try to clamp down on basically what is potato change, you know, at the end of the day, them owning Bandcamp is probably more of a hobby than anything else. It's not like anything, you know, really big on their fucking balance sheet. And it's kind of fucked up of where they kind of clamp it down over here. You know, putting my capitalistic hat on, I kind of see why, because, you know, if these Bandcamp guys are asking for a union. You know, who knows about your software software engineers, your QA testers? You know, a lot, there's a lot of hands that kind of that are involved in making these products. So I can imagine them trying to clamp it down early on at the womb, as a lot of corporations are apt to do. That said, it's not a good look because, you know, if anything, Bandcamp has been a lifeline for a lot of artists. You know, I'm not going to say they're 100% fair, But, you know, as far as anything I've seen in the industry in my lifetime, they're the closest I've seen to kind of trying to run an equitable kind of business where they're giving money back to the artists and making sure they don't own Starve. And it's kind of disheartening to kind of see, like, quote-unquote, one of the good guys just, you know, getting their skirt pulled and showing that they're kind of the same assholes as everybody else.
1: Yeah, this is really disappointing. I mean, look, my, my personal opinion is that every aspect of the music industry needs to be unionized. And I think, you know, I echo what, you know, Reg is saying. Um, I guess, like, it's still weird to me that Bandcamp is owned by Epic Games. And there there still hasn't been a clear vision of why that actually happened. And I think, Reg, you're probably right. It's probably something where it's just like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we like Bandcamp. We got extra, like... Hundred million, few hundred million in the bank. Like, why not? You know, like, it, there's. It doesn't seem like it, it, there's any like synergy between like Bandcamp and Epic Games. Like, I think SoundCloud would have been a better acquisition partner. Like, you know, I just feel like there's just more kind of remixes and like really cool things you could do with SoundCloud tracks and Bandcamp tracks. But you know, here we are. And I, I think like the one thing I, I will say like, whoever was like delusional enough. To like reach out to an indie record label and say like, <laughs> <laughs> don't support a union. <laughs> How
0: delusional can you be? <laughs> like a like punk dead label, bro. Like an indie rock <laughs> DIY punk label. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like are you kidding me? Like like. <laughs>
1: Like read the room, dude. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I, <laughs> it's like it's one thing to be like anti-union, but it's another thing to be like. Number one, it's illegal, you know. But also number two, like, you know, come on, man. Like, like I, I don't even know who you would reach out to. Like, I, I, what label and Bandcamp will be like? Yeah,
0: fuck the unions. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh- a. <laughs> It seems they don't understand their talking audience or who their vendors are, it seems. Yeah,
1: yeah, but, like, come on. Come on, fam. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, sometimes Uh, you just have to laugh to keep from crying, but, like, that's dead-ass comical.
0: Oh, yeah, no, it's it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, you know, what's cool is at least the record label kind of, like, blasted it all out on social media and... You know, like I said, it's it's a good thing that, you know, they unionize. Obviously, it's a good thing that the record labels kind of saying by them and kind of saying, hey, we're not going to take up for this shit. At the same time, it's just because, you know, like I said, it's just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, like the, the basic idea of it is bullshit. The way you're going around it is bullshit. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you've got a good thing. Don't, don't kick a gift horse in the mouth. You know, I understand probably maybe in their mind is adding to them to their to our media portfolio. You know, we're in gaming, we're in music, you know, so that way the investors could show up and be happy. But. At the end of the day, this is small potatoes and just pay people what they're worth, man. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Don't for stop. Sure. Um, our next news item. Remember Gold Link? I remember Gold Link. Goldlink was a promising rapper, dexteritous, you know, came out rapping over this this little unknown, nerdy Montreal DJ named Cageanata, you know, these these little clubby beats. You know, and since then, Cachinata has blown up, blown up to the point where I can afford his tickets in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, you know, his, his earlier collaborator, Gold Link, has fallen out of favor after basically. So here's the question. Who killed the career quicker? Gold Link or Daniel Caesar? Oh,
1: well, I'm actually listening to the new Daniel Caesar album right now. I have some thoughts, but we'll save that to next week. Who? Um, I feel like Daniel Caesar is s- somehow uncancelled because I think he makes like I want. Uh, will I say better music? But I feel you like know, he, you know he that's that's, like, not a, that's not a controversial statement. <laughs> you know, he he has Daniel Caesar's tracks will be played at weddings for the like the next like twenty years. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I felt like he, he had a double down on the canceling. Like he he said some fuck boy shit and then came back on like remember that video? He's like, nah, fuck yo, I lied. I'm he, doubling he apo- down, bitch. But he apologized. But, but he, he there was a he, he had a yeah. and he oh and he reappo this is the third time now, I guess. I mean he's on the album tour now, so he he's
1: gotta apologize. <laughs> 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 you know, um But I would say Gold Link was in a a way more tenuous position. Like I like Gold Link, but he was not as popular as Daniel Caesar. So I think when he did what he did, and you know you don't go after after the dead, you definitely don't go after the dead of a beloved dead. (laughs) We have not heard from him since.
0: (laughs) But anyway, because because of our fallen comrade Gold Link. His loss is somebody else's gain. So Kei is back, you know what I'm saying? Dropping that hot fire, you know what I'm saying? Playing these big fucking live music venues, selling that fucking concert halls, getting the booties dancing. And uh, he's dropping a, a collab album this year with Amine. Who is Amine? Portland Oregon rapper. I actually like him a lot. He's very interesting. Um, I want not necessarily say pop, but he's somebody who very much knows his lane. I mean, I could make an argument his lane is probably white college kids. <laughs> True. But it's uh, a is serviceable. He's got really good visuals. He knows what he's doing. So it's like, to a certain extent, it kind of makes sense. And I, I think it's going to be fascinating because, again, he's a talented rapper. But I will say he's somebody where to, to a, and I, and I, I don't want to stereotype, but at the end of the day, he's not, he's not somebody where, you know, 2 a.m. in the club, you're going to put on the Amonet to get the ladies, ladies dancing. You know what I'm saying? He's just not that guy. Um, on the inverse, it seems like Quechonada beats are always really, because of the tempo, because of their BPM, just feel like a really good mix of like, just like, almost like hip house leaning. It's, just, it's very simple. It reminds me a lot of um, like uh, Channel Trey, like that kind of BPM where it's still housey, but you're able to kind of put some bras on top of it. So, yeah, so long story short, it dropped one record, um, a very solid record, and they're going to have a whole album coming out soon. So, you know, I'm kind of amped because I feel like Kichonada's last record was kind of dead in the winter. It was kind of right before the pandemic. You know, a lot of things kind of happened, even though where he didn't get the, the push I felt like he shouldn't have. Obviously, he's a fantastic producer and DJ, so it didn't really hurt his career. But it's going to be kind of interesting to see. You know, he's somebody who's dest- definitely destined for greatness, you know, at the end of the day. He's somebody who should be on really big stages. he's Somebody who should be mentioned in the same way, honestly, I was like, like Calvin Harris, honestly, like sure. on one side. And on the other side, I make an argument that he should be like a, a producer on somebody's phone the same way Mike Will is, honestly. So it's going to be interesting to see him kind of do this project and how both their careers kind of like end up because to me, it's a win win for both. You know, I feel like Aminé is somebody who deserves kind of more exposure, like, you know, it's more as an urban crowd, quote unquote. See how I did that? Shots to rap caviar. <laughs> and I feel like. Keshawnad is somebody where he still slept on as far as like a hip hop or a producer producer. Like, yeah, I th- I still think he's seen as a quote unquote beat maker and a DJ. So it's gonna be kind of fun to kind of see see these guys turn out a new record. Hopefully, I'm hoping it comes out around the summer. I'm assuming if they announce it now, it'll be a good little summertime record.
1: So uh, it's gonna drop May twelfth. So nice. like right right in in time for yeah. for real summer, not this fake summer that we have out here in April. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I look. I, you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny because, uh, you know, Kaitri and I did a, um, a kind of like a, the same kind of collaboration, like album with this rapper IDK last year, which I actually really enjoyed. I think IDK is not the greatest rapper, um, but the beats were solid, and I think the vision for the the actual project project was solid, and like the running joke is that, oh man, like why idk could be another rapper um <laughs> <laughs> poor idk um but yeah no i'm 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 really excited i think Trinata, as you said is definitely you know it's it's funny because he uh, he feels still underrated to me you know he's definitely not on a calvin Har- harris level um you know it's it's really funny because i remember there's some article or interview doing like the fader or something where it's just kind of like he tried to reach out to like Beyonce's people and Drake's people and like give them beats and like you know got like the cold shoulder, you know. So Oof. he's still not like the top t- number, you know. Like like he should have been on both of those albums from yeah, Beyonce honestly. and Drake last year, you know. And and that didn't happen. So he he I think he's still kind of an underdog in a lot of ways so i'm i'm excited i'm excited to hear what he's going to say and kind of you know what what he's going to do i i think you know we're all in a better place when a Trina album drops for sure
0: yeah um uh what else is there uh we've got larry june and alchemist oh sorry this is you this is you take it take it take Uh, it take it take it new music (laughs) it's all
1: good dude i got you i got you we we are going to pivot from newish music to actual new music um so yeah larry june and alchemist um so speaking of collaborations alchemist has been kind of really like again like there's been a resurgence with alchemist that i think is just like really amazing to kind of see um we talked about him and hit boy kind of doing that collaboration you know he's worked with like Freddie Gibbs um and, and I think you know it, it, I feel like the reinvention of the Alchemist sound or the Boom Bap sound or like whatever this kind of like rap sound is it, it's pretty good to see um so I was really highly anticipating the Larry June and Alchemist Grey Escape album um essentially like Larry June is like the only Bay Area rapper that reps San Francisco
0: <laughs> you know we're just you know the, look, the last I, black man in san francisco very much so you know
1: and look like san francisco has hoods like it, it's not all tech bros and homeless people uh there's actually like like hoods. so i'm like all right cool um and then you know larry june is like a very interesting you know like like i the singles trickled out and like oh this is really really dope like alchemist is bringing his a game production wise the vibes are there but i think you know larry june went on sway in the morning and really stumbled through his supposed freestyle and then like alchemist like went in and i think like his stock like tumbled (laughs) (laughs) it's like tesla stock (laughs) it's like tumbled you know and I, I I think like the album itself, um, you know, I when, I when I kind of started hearing all of like like the, the the haters is you know they like, so like luxury mumble rap, <laughs> you know um, just how people were kind of you know sad that Kate Renato wasted his beats on the IDK. Alchemist is like, you know they're like, oh Alchemist wasted his beats on Larry June. Having that said, I've been listening to this album kind of nonstop because I understand what it is and it's literally just vibes. Yeah. It's nothing else. It is, you know, it is definitely luxury mumble rap. You know, I I think it's it's you know, I listened to this album, it was like 75, 80 degrees, like the first like warm day. I was driving down what I'm going to call the Hudson Valley Pacific Coast Highway. <laughs> <laughs> Route two oh two. You know Sunroof open, windows down Dog, you know In the back vibing, wifey's vibing Wifey's like, oh, alchemist You know, and I'm like, oh This is exactly what this album is Right, it's literally meant For this occasion It's nothing more, nothing less It's not going to be Mr. Morale, you're not going to get Like a J. Cole level flow here It's literally like Here are The best, you know, like the most chill, vibed out Alchemist beats, and here's a guy that kind of flows on it like syrup, and and that's kind of what you get. So when you listen, when you listen through it with that lens, I think like it all makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's the the issue is the fact of where it's kind of like Dre, right? To a certain extent, when you're kind of that huge, it's hard to do things just to do it. So it's the same way when Copton dropped, everybody's on some like, "Well, this is this is trash. This is a garbage album." Where if it was anybody but Dre, it'd be perfectly fine, you know, for the most part. It wasn't a trash yeah. album; it was perfectly solid. And I think of Alchemist. He's kind of hit the stage of where he's seen a, as his top tier beat producer, and he is. He's definitely one of the greatest rap producers who's ever lived. But at the same time, Alchemist has had a lot of songs. Like he's had a lot of songs, a lot of underground dudes. Like his music is not necessarily meant to be like. You know, I don't think he necessarily approaches each and every of his records to be like, this is a this is the classic that will reshape hip hop. You know what I'm saying? To a certain extent. And I think that, you know, he's had a couple of records recently. Freddie Gibbs, where he got nominated for the Grammy. You know, he's doing stuff with. um, With Boldy James, where he's really like dark like eerie street tales about this, this, this like really CNN, like corner boy, CNN type of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's, and, you know, he's got the songs with like, you know, critically acclaimed band, like fucking, you know, Arm and Hammer. So there's a certain thing of where he's supposed to be reinventing the wheel. But at the same time, that's not really Alchemist. The reason why Alchemist has been around is basically I, I, I can imagine Alchemist. Now you go to a, an Alchemist studio session, it's basically in the basement somewhere. You know, it's probably Axon Johnson Ax in the corner making fucking grilled cheese sandwiches with like fucking fancy <laughs> cheeses. <laughs> Lots of marijuana smoke. Somebody's playing on the PlayStation on the side. And then it's just dude smoking fucking weed and, and making beats, you know? And, and that's the kind of aesthetic that, you know, Alchemist has always carried with him, you know? And I, and while it's great to hear Alchemist rapping, even with that, like, you know, the Gang Green records of, like, Oh No, those are also relatively very slow stakes. And yeah, he's a fantastic beat maker. He's a fantastic producer. But at the end of the day, Alchemist has always been somebody who's been relatively low-key. So it's not surprising that's the same thing with the Larry June record. You know, to a certain extent, Larry June is not a rapper who's going to be... You know he's not crazy barred up like fucking Billy Woods, where he's gonna be talking about late stage capitalism. He's not just a really this multifaceted funny rapper like Freddie Gibbs. He's just vibes, and and I I think that's why they work as a duo. That said, I think expecting like some crazy classic from them was a little fucking you know I think it's a little bit over expectation on our part our, our <laughs> point, you know.
1: <laughs> True.
0: It, but it's just cool to have like just chill alchemist beats and chill It Like like to a certain extent I think that uh because everything is so like higher stakes in the word way where there's a lot of product there's a lot of content coming out and everything's got to be super super duper important and everything's got to be a classic but you know in a weird way that's never really the way alchemist has rolled and and that's how he's gotten his classics honestly but it's sitting there smoking weed and just making beats and rapping and for the most part it's kind of fist that motif so you know for me the record was very solid and i and i have no complaints you know i didn't really walk in thinking that you're gonna get like you know a freddie gibbs classic because he's not freddie gibbs but it was it's it vibes of what i wanted and the vibes of what i got so you know props to both of them i think I think it's a very solid record,
1: yeah. No, for sure. And it's a record I've been coming back to, especially like when I'm driving. Like, it, it like I said, it, like, it sets the mood. Um, Larry June's a very interesting rapper. Apparently, he like raps about like his real estate investments and his businesses. That's how <laughs> he got kind of got on. Um, it's definitely LLC Twitter, uh, you know, set to boom bap, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, it makes me want to up, I'm, I'm upgrade my rental car, you know, on my next trip because I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inspired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so props to Larry
1: June.
0: <laughs> All right. So this these are records I had on the back burner. Uh friend of the podcast, Shasta Gang, shouts. Purple tape pedigree. Uh under his King Vision Ultra Moniker. Uh basically dropped uh hmm. I'll say a project. So long story short Algiers is dropping a record dropped a record what am I saying Cole shook um, lots of guests lot very very much an event, let's just say. So around February he dropped a project which hmm I'll say it's a companion piece. so I think the way he describes it let me let me go look it up. apologies, apologies, apologies. It's basically give me a second. Well, while I look up the title specifically, and I apologize, um, it's a companion piece. So it's basically hosted by Algiers. And it's kind of fascinating because I kind of wanted to kind of listen to both records, kind of meditate with it for a very long time. Um, for Gang's record, I love it. I love it right off the bat. I think it's just really much going back to the idea of what's been happening a lot of underground, like hip hop is concerned, as far as New York is concerned. It's very much a thing of now, but also kind of, I guess, grappling with what is New York City, right? Yeah. So there's been a thing of where you've got a lot of like drill rap, you got a lot of like everything from Ice Spice to you know to Lola where New York is kind of trying to find its swagger, trying to find its space in the ecosystem. Not necessarily about music, not necessarily about hip hop, but wider. So, yeah. with this record like, gang has, like, almost, like, it's a weird thing where it's, like, you'll hear, like, some some classic boom-bap samples. You'll hear conversations in the subway. But you'll also have these, like, high TMCs coming in, like, like spitting, like, elucid and everybody else. And it kind of it makes this almost world where, taking in comparison to Algiers, which is very much, like, you know, protest music, which is very much focused, you have almost, like, with gang, a very street level view of what's happening in the world. And then with Algier, it's a higher level macro view. So micro versus macro. they see, mm. see how I did that? Yeah, I got it <laughs> So yeah, no, it's it's basically, it's, it's fascinating because both the records together kind of build this crazy world where there's a lot of guest appearances. There's a lot of like things happening. And again, I, it sounds like I'm speaking vague, but the reason why is because they're tackling very like gentrification, you know, Law enforcement, just pure MCing. It was what it means to be a rapper and everything else. And it's kind of like this almost gargantuan piece of art between both groups. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to kind of give it a big listen. The reason why I shouted it out is because I was supposed to actually go see him. they're at least Algiers was playing in New York, and apparently is off the easy. But I kind of wanted to shout them both out specifically Gang because what I like about his record is the idea of where it's very easy. So here. Let's talk about it. Ambient music. Ambient music is popping. Pitchfork says it's cool. You know, you go out there, (laughs) get your drones, maybe get some Middle Eastern music, put it out there, maybe throw in some samples, and you're doing great. Even Burial's doing weird ambient shit now. And what I like about what Gang's doing with his production is the idea of where this is somebody who's produced for dipset. Like he could put you in the fucking face if he wants to. You know, he's somebody who does like does has done some noise projects. Same thing. What's cool here is that it sets it just sounds like New York. Like all the sounds here kinda of sound authentic, kinda of blend together. And when like an MC comes on top of those soundscapes, it's fits it feels very naturally, which is hard to do. Because ideally if I'm giving you something where it's just like, you know, this almost ambient you know, something kind of builds up very vaguely into a beat where it's mainly ambient stuff and like some bars, you know, it's very easy to kind of get lost in the sauce. But because, you know, a lot of it sounds like being built off subway sounds, being built off just the sounds of New York, being built off just conversation, and you've got these MCs kind of coming in, it kind of melds into this weird, crazy, like subway ride from beginning to end. And that's the micro of it. With Algiers kind of going over there, you know what's kind of been fascinating for me in Algiers is the idea of where they're working on a very high level. Um, I don't know the specifics. I don't know the specific name of the vocalist, the lead singer, but he's a powerhouse. Definitely comes from the school of gospel. You've got the drummer from fucking from Block Party, the OG drummer. So he's killing it. Oh word. And it's really they're a really put together band who's dabbling where it's not just like, oh, we're gonna go out there and do indie rock. They touch a wide variety of things. And it's also kind of similar where, you know, you've got Big Rube on there, you've got fucking Billy Woods, you've got a lot of like different talented artists on that record too. So taken as like two pieces, it's like this weird monolith of, of like the world and life. I don't, I don't even describe it to you. But like, we're definitely kind of grounded in socioeconomical, socio political themes, but also kind of just like, just a, a lot of like, like thinking music. So it's some shit where like going back to the Pacific Coast Highway of Hudson, you're driving from point A to point B, as soon as you can kind of play and kind of vibe to kind of get lost in. So like that whole world they created has been kind of really fascinating to me. And shouts to both of them. Long story
1: Word, short. word for sure. Shots to gang like uh you know i'll definitely check that out i think it's really interesting too because i think like new york is kind of going through a cultural not like crisis but you know things are changing and things have been changing in new york and i think like like i'm glad to see like artists kind of like you know like using that as inspiration or just kind of bringing that to the moment because i think that's a really interesting discussion that we should have i'm a former new yorker i guess but you know as people who are (laughs) in the cultural fabric (laughs) I'm a part of the the issue.
0: <laughs> Stone moved upstate two weeks ago. He's like, I'm no longer. Just throw it away. He's like, I'm out I here.
1: I, I was in I was in the city like a couple of weeks ago. I felt like a tourist, you know, uh, man. But uh, but no, I'll, I'll definitely check those albums out for sure. Um, and then for me, uh, just to wrap it up, um, Brandy Younger, uh, Brand New Life, uh, Friend of Cow Sessions. I actually kind of I I met Brandy Younger because I was at a show, a music hall, Williamsburg. And like, uh, it was a, I think it was a subtract show. And the, like, the opening artist who I didn't really care for was playing a harp. And I like posted on Twitter, like, they got a fucking harp on stage. And Brandy's like, took offense to that.
0: (laughs) Oh, shit.
1: You you pissed off Harp Gang. (laughs) You know, uh, I pissed off Harp Gang. Um, But, you know, actually through her, I got schooled on, you know, like Dorothy Ashby and Alice Coltrane and like the the use of the harp in black music over, you know, you know, years and years of time. And I think like, you know, look, I was ignorant. (laughs) I'll admit it, you know, Um, and I think with Brandon Younger, you know, if there's a harp in any type of track over the past, like 15 years, it was probably Brandy Younger. I'm like looking at like, you know, where she's contributing, like Common, John Legend, you know, m- like Mickey Fax, <laughs> Gym <laughs> Class Heroes, <laughs> you know, Bad Bad Not Good, Bilal, Pete Rock, like Moses Sumney, Gil Scott Heron. Like she's basically been kind of in the background of a lot of great music. Lauren Hill, uh, you know, for, for the past kind of, you know, um, you know, 15 years and, you know, on some of my favorite albums. Um, and I guess they're calling this her, her quote unquote debut album, but I kind of hate that just because again, she's been, she's been putting in work for, <laughs> for the past like 15 years, you know? So to call it a debut, I feel like could be a little bit insulting. But it's definitely her most complete album. I know she could put out an album in like 2013. Um, you know, you can definitely tell like there's a little bit of budget behind it. Um, and there's, there's a little bit of like, you know, there's there's a vision behind it. And I, I I love it. Like this is also an album that I spent a lot of time driving through the hills of the Hudson Valley listening to. Um, you know, but it's, it's like a really interesting, you know, combination where... You have this backbone of the harp throughout, but, you know, like the the other elements of the music could be psychedelic, it could be classical, it could be hip-hop, it could be R&B, it could be, like, you know, kind of everything in between. It could be, like, Michelle Deggio cello. It could be, like, all these, like, different contributors, but like it still kind of has that backbone of the harp throughout, which I thought was, like, really interesting and it's always present um, and it's always kind of, like, in your face, but not in your face, you know, which I thought was like really cool. And it's like the harp is making a statement, and the harp is like, kind of saying like, "Hey, I'm versatile, versatile as fuck, you know, <laughs> I'm out here, <laughs> you know." And it's just like it's—I like, I think it's a really. Sometimes you could have these kind of like albums like that where you just have like all these different musical styles. It can come off like cheesy, you know. And I think like it's a really authentic and very black approach to, you know, um, I think the album itself and like this musical instrument, which I think a lot of people who, you know, like the harp hasn't had, it's like, you know, Lizzo moment yet, I feel, you know, like with the flute, <laughs> you know, and, and I feel like that that's kind of what they're trying to do here, but they're doing it in a very authentic way, which I think is, is, is uh, it's an, a, an achievement to the production. So uh, definitely check it out. Um, you know, I, I'm just like happy for her, um, and just kind of see this continue level up. I think it's just really cool, and you know, ho- hopefully, like the harp will have more of a prominence in, in black music, and people could, will understand like the the presence of the harp in black music. Uh, you know, and from the past to the future.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's dope. It's it's something it's, I, I think about. So I've seen her, I've seen her a couple of times, but I specifically think about the times I've seen her in Brooklyn, which is twice. So one time basically there's a like a French cultural institution in Manhattan where basically they do this night of philosophy where it's not necessarily French philosophers, mm-hmm. where basically they'll have like a like it'll be like from like eight o'clock to like two o'clock in the morning where we'll take over a book of the library. It'll be very if if you close your eyes and think of the most pretentious scene you could possibly think of, that's what it is. So I yeah. remember I walked in and I saw Brandy Younger playing and she's doing the harp and she's doing what you expect around that crowd. And I look at that where it's a gig where she's probably doing it because, yo, they, these French dudes got money, so I'm doing it. And yeah. I fast forward to where I saw her play recently where she was playing some of these tracks and it was night and day. And going back to your point about how it knocks, like when I walked in there, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go in there. It's going to be a peaceful little harp. You know, it'll be a little cleanse. But now nah, that shit was head nod. That shit was just like, my head yeah. was knocking back and forth continuously. Yeah, yeah Macala McCraven on drums. That shit was as hard hitting as any other jazz pro, And then the thing is, even with the harp stuff she was doing was very almost like it, it was I'm, like it's going back to your point of how it is a history of harp and black music it's just another instrument. There's nothing, you know, I know there's a certain level of pretentious to it and yada yada yada, but the way she was freaking that instrument, it could have been fucking his allophone, you know what I'm saying? It could have been yeah. horns, it could have been whatever. So, you know, it was kinda interesting to kinda see her play that and like I remember when I was like, Oh shit, I was like, this is this is th- this music is a problem. Like I'm out here vibing hard, everybody else here is not in and like you know, it's kinda cool to kinda hear her kinda bring that to the forefront and kinda like, Hey, you know, this is not just like to play in the background of like a fucking, you know, some modern interpreter doing a fucking Malteva solo. It like it the same way, you know, you, she could get her glass bra on long story short, where it's yeah. like, hey, these are this is jazz instrumentation, you know, her thundercat on jazz instrumentation, reapplied, recontextualized in a post hip hop genera- generation. So, you know, props to her. So I'm kind of happy to kind of have her come out. I'm happy to exist. And like, I'm hoping that, you know, the same way you'll see like a Melanie Charles and like all these other like, you know, jazz artists kind of meld like younger coming up jazz artists kind of meld hip hop and kind of touring with that kind of angle you know i'm hoping that she'll kind of get that same opportunity so like props to her yeah for sure yeah and uh that's about it you know as usual we love y'all stay black despite what they say on the news stay woke <laughs> and we'll see you next time peace peace